I, I mean, I want to ask you guys. Uh, I have, if I have one regret about my early years on the internet, especially like because I was in, there in the late '90s, was just not buying every single .dot com phrase I could get yeah. in domain names because I could have, I certainly could have, and I was, mm-hmm. I was young, I was eighteen, nineteen, but I, I knew the what the internet was becoming, um, and I, I could. It was one hundred fifty bucks. I remember going, was it? Um, uh, there was one one domain registrar back then. It was the only one. I, Network Solutions, I think it was, and you just go there buy domains. I could have bought any.com pretty much except for the obvious ones like sex.com and business.com they're all taken but there's a lot of stuff you could have grabbed back then and that would have been it you would have been a multimillionaire just from owning those those domain names yeah, it's interesting I, I just went through the whole process of trying to find a, a domain name for for my girlfriend's uh, business it took us like a month just going through different names and figuring out you know price points and I found like as I dug into it and I really tried to figure out different names I found some pretty good deals I found like I we ended up getting a name I don't know whether or not I should say it right now but you know we ended up paying like 700 bucks for it mm-hmm. uh, which is I think was like out of all the names that we thought of it was our number one choice you know uh, regardless of the price it was the best name but it took a long time of kind of research and kind of figuring out, okay, how does this name work and that name work? What, who's the competitors out there? You know, uh, so I think there are deals out there. That's for sure. What about your son, Matt? What, what, your son's got a thriving YouTube channel. What, what, how are you branding him or how is he branding himself? Uh, his name is a super epic Mr. Marcus. Um, I haven't like put up his website or anything yet. Um, I own Asifan.com, so I can make any family member a subdomain for any time. Right, so if he ever wants to be Marcus.Asafan, you know, it's boom, right? Good morning, marketers. It is uh, good to have you back. Uh, we got uh, Yaro. Hi, Matt. And we got Tom. What's going on, Matt? And uh, Andrew ain't here, so uh, he, he he took over the episode. Everyone uh, uh, loves Andrew's uh, commentary. So uh, uh, good riddance, I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are lucky he's not here with us now. Uh, Anyways, guys, so uh, we were chatting. We want to discuss um, how to build a brand online. Um, I'm very interested to learn from both of you how you built your brands. And we kind of want to divide this up between personal brand and company brand. So before we hit record, uh, Yaro, you were sharing a bit about how the reason that you are creating content now, like on YouTube, is because when someone looks you up or wants to vet you online, they always look you up and and see what your content is. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to class myself as a YouTuber just yet. But um, and even the word reinvention is not entirely accurate because it, it's not like I'm Madonna and I'm changing my look every two or three years to try and, uh, you know, appeal. Um, it's more just going where the audience is. And also, let's face it, what Google decides to reward with attention. So um, as Tom and I were talking about how I have released a edited video we talked about this last episode too it it did have more production value there is sort of a goal with making my youtube channel have a higher standard of video quality then i'm releasing reels and shorts and tiktok from that content so that similar higher quality on those channels um there's two two sides of this there's the raw i want to rank better and get more traffic and thus get more email opt-ins that's a thing I know Tom really focuses on with his business as well. And then there's just the how to make a good first impression or not even just a good first impression, how to avoid making a bad impression, I think is the most important thing here. So, uh, and this is the same with my company. We, my co-founder and I, Claire, with, with Inbox Done, we talk about how we don't have to have the best 
channel on every channel but we have to have something there to show that we exist and we're a serious company and we have some resources and we've created a few videos and and so on with my personal brand it's different i've got 15 years of articles and content so that's been more of the evolution it's gone from basic blogging to yes adding now some video um, but all i'm doing is trying to take the same topics that perform well as blog posts turn them into videos with me a being a talking head presenter and then editing them to be more dynamic and then the goal obviously is youtube is a search engine google is a search engine those two things will both start ranking and and continue to grow my email list and ultimately sell my my products you're just for some people who are watching who might not know who you are uh, when i first got introduced to you you were a famous person that i had never heard of and I remember you were not that famous then, right, Matt? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was running my meetups at the time. I had someone be like, Yaro Stark's coming to town. You should get him to speak. I'm like, who's that? And then uh, Yaro came and talked. And then after, of course, I looked you up at that time. And so Yaro ran the website called Entrepreneur Dash Journey. And you could tell that he didn't know what he was doing when he started because he put a dash in his freaking domain name. But, uh, but that was a, a popular entrepreneur blog and people still recognize you for that, right? Do you know, uh, like I, I told you, I was talking to someone else about the show and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Yara was coming on the show. They're like, oh, entrepreneur dash journey. Oh my God. <laughs> no one says dash journey though. Come I on. know, I know. He, was like, he said entrepreneur journey. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but then, uh, but then also, I think it's interesting too. And I think just like a real quick, if you don't mind sharing, you changed the domain name of your blog. And I thought that was a big risky move. I've, I've asked you this a few times about what happened to that. I was always curious about this because now you got yaro.blog so not only is .blog not considered a premium domain technically because it's not like .com kind of thing but having your name .blog um, follows kind of I think Tim Ferriss did that did he? It was Tim.blog yeah. or something like that did. and like yeah. did he change his whole website it used to be timferris.com or Tim.blog or? I think it's Tim.blog as a center point but he still has 4 hour week week fourhourworkweek.com and fourhourchef.com. And I think they all did just he, go to... Did he have his blog like on like timferris.com before? And then he moved no, I think it or? was fourhourworkweek.com originally because that was the oh, first book oh. and that was the first blog and everything was on, on that domain. Oh, I see, I see. Because I, yeah. I remember hearing about um, uh, uh, Neil Patel. He bought... Uh, he sold Kiss Metrics to a company, I forget which company it was, and he bought it back from them just for the content because they were getting 500,000 or like a million visitors a month. And then he, he took all the domains, all the URLs for all those blog posts, and then merged it into his neilpatel.com and then kicked up his traffic doing it that way. I think it's an interesting thing to do because I know you can go on sites like Flippa or whatever, and you can go buy an existing website with content and then merge it into your website. I don't know all the technicalities of, of doing that, but I'm just curious if you wanted to share just really quickly about kind of like what happened after you did that and to you both to your brand, but also to your rankings, your traffic, that sort of thing. I feel like deja vu, man. I feel like we covered this in a previous episode, but um, no, just I don't think we brief. did. We, just, we, we, we did. have talked about it many times. We have. Uh, maybe I, I don't know when the record times. button was hit or not, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, so I had entrepreneurs hyphen dash, whatever you want to call it, journey.com registered in 2004 before, you know, domain names were a thing. Um, and that was great for a long time. Not like it, it was detrimental, but so it in two thousand four, not... out of all the names that you could have possibly registered, you, are, you registered. And I can't even spell entrepreneur. I don't know about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, know what's, you know what's really crazy about that is, yeah. I, I I pride myself on my domain name selection and my company name selection. And before I had entrepreneurs journey dot com, I had an online essay editing company called BetterEdit.com. 
And I think that's like one of the best domains I've had for a company. It was like describing the service. It's got alliteration. It's got, you know, cadence. Um, And that was great. And I don't know why after I got such a great domain name for that, I said, oh, I'm going to have this fun casual blog. I'm just going to call it Entrepreneur's Journey. Oh, I can't get the dot com. I'll put a hyphen in it and away you go. So (laughs) for some reason, I didn't follow through. But um, to answer your question, so yeah. Wait, do you still own better edit? No, I sold that company in 2007. Oh, so. okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. And yeah, so I, I, around 2015, I was having, I guess, a change in direction. I was starting a new company called Inbox Done. Um, I was contemplating where my content was going and my personal brand was going. Uh, I wasn't sure. I, am I going to release a book? Am I going to keep teaching something around business? Is inbox done going to take off and all my time and energy is going to go there uh, and to be honest actually my uh, project manager laura she sort of suggested why don't you just have an umbrella brand it's your personal brand use your name i knew i wanted to retire entrepreneur's journey and i knew i didn't want to necessarily continue teaching blogging specifically and being known as a blog make money guy which was my career yeah. for 10 years and how you know you and i met matt yeah. um so yeah i i saw tim actually i think at tim.blog and i was easily got yarrow.blog and a lot of competition for yarrow out there and uh i made the domain name change carefully with my tech person carly we did the 401 redirects you know we did all the updates with uh search console and everything and it was detrimental initially we we definitely lost i don't know 20 percent organic traffic immediately as soon as the new domain oh, wow. name resolved and it was it was you know an acute obvious uh, even I think on some phrases, fifty percent less traffic. But oh, wow. the assumption, as I was had studied before we made the move, was you're going to experience an initial hit. Then the update will happen over time. It'll understand that this content's the same. It's just a change in domain name. And yes, it did improve, but never back to where it was. Uh, but there's a mix of things going on too. Like at the same time as I'm making a domain name change a lot more content's flooding the internet. So there's more competition for the same topics I was writing about. Um, better domain names or, you know, more authoritative top level companies, your Entrepreneur Magazine, your Forbes, your Huffington Post. Um, they're all starting to dominate top search phrases for like how to make money with the blog. And, uh, you know, even established players like ProBlogger and um, there's a couple of other guys, obviously, you know, Pat Flynn's sort of in the same space. and. He's in a wheelchair. He's, he's, he's an incredible guy. He's he's made millions of dollars teaching blogging, but he's... Was it ProBlogger? No, not ProBlogger. It's blog... Uh, it's been a while. See, I haven't, yeah, I'm not even familiar been. with my own space anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we got to find him. Okay. It's like... Now he teaches writing, but... Um, and, yeah, anyway, we, we are all kind of old school. That was John Chow as well, and all these kind of old school people teaching this topic. Plus all the new school people, all the YouTube videos, uh, all the podcasts mm. and everything. So long story short, it, it was definitely the start of a downturn that was already happening for my own organic reach. And thankfully, you know, I had a database that s- still is my main source of customers and how I test business ideas. AKA and, email so, list. Yeah. What, so what were you, what were you selling at the time when you started to see like the numbers decline or about that time period when you were making the transition to inbox done? Was that like your next big thing from that, from like the blog? And what were yeah, you selling I mean, when it was, you had the blog? Yeah, it was in tandem. So I didn't just say everything's closing on my coaching, teaching business. And then right. we're starting a new company. It was, let's start the new company. 
I'm not going to create new products, new courses, new training, but I still have these evergreen funnels. I'm still writing a newsletter. I'm still writing blog posts. So it didn't shut down, but you know, as we got more clients to inbox done, Tom is actually one of them, one of the very first ones, in fact, um, and, uh, it, it's like, you know, as an entrepreneur, your motivation is to continue to promote the thing that's new and growing. So I started to see myself as the co-founder inbox done and less, a personal brand driven blog guy. But then honestly, then I went all over the place. You know, I, I started angel investing. I built the solar farm in Ukraine. I did some property investing. I decided the Yarrow umbrella brand was perfect because it could encapsulate all my interests. Uh, but now I'm encapsulate your whole entrepreneur journey. Well, yes, hyphen journey. Uh, buy the I'll domain pull, back. I hope to put a hyphen journey. <laughs> <laughs> buy the domain back for a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could get it cheaper. I actually still own it now. Um, okay. well, what about like yeah. entrepreneur journey, no dash? Where, where, where you know, that? I had someone else own that. And every now and then I'd get an email and like, do you want to buy entrepreneurjourney.com? Oh, really? yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I need it at this stage. So. <laughs> like dashes are in, bro. <laughs> yeah, they're really not. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, that's funny because I'm returning to my personal brand somewhat now, kind of assessing mm. what am I trying to do? Like, I still have a membership site that still gets a trickle of new new customers. And um, yeah, I, I want to still keep that going. And in the inbox done is actually very independent. You know, there's a, a marketing team now, there's 40 assistants, there's my co-founder and a management team. So it's got its own identity that's not associated with me, except I'm out there doing podcast interviews and, and talking about it. But yep. um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I actually love to hear Tom because I know you're in that lovely mm. space uh, <laughs> where you're just constantly, I'm assuming, growing your email database every day because everyone, everyone like Matt is looking for deals on software and things like that. And, and you're, it's an easy opt-in. It's just like, here's a free something. Here's a free something else. So join our email list. So um, that's yeah. what I'm assuming is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. With InfoStack, that is what we do. And it's, I know we'll talk about this maybe some more, but like um, um, we don't, I don't do any content. We don't do anything or any, any like blog content or any YouTube content or any social media content outside of i suppose on facebook we post deals but otherwise we're um effectively just email and that's been good enough for growth of the last few years which is interesting maybe in its own right for somebody going going that route like you can actually build are you just doing like joint ventures to to get those emails or how how do you grow the email list effectively yes affiliates and joint venture slash affiliates and that's what we've done it from the beginning and it's still the number one lever like marketing channel and sales channel that I, that we pull. Right. And because it's, it still works. And so in my back of my mind though, is like this year, but we'll see where we're at with this year. Cause this year is almost over. But now t- thinking 2023, where, where, like, what is, what is the play next? Like what are other avenues? Does it go to blogging? Does it go to YouTube? Does it go to other content production? Can you run out of JV partners? That's the thing. I mean that I don't know. Um, I don't think we've tapped the bottom of that. Well, Hang on a second. So just so people know about yeah. this. Uh, so InfoStack is like a daily deal site, but for information, for info, yeah. courses, books, stuff like that. Yep. Very similar to like how AppSumo is for like softwares. So yes. I love the concept. Um, I just real quick, I'm just curious because I, I just pulled up the site here so people can see it. How did you come to the decision on the .io over the .com? And like, I see the .com. And no dash. Where's the dash? Yeah, oh, where's see, the dash? I don't take great pride in my uh, URL picking ability, but I also don't believe that the URL matters that much. Like, 
case in point, we have Yarrow in front of us right now, right? (laughs) So actually, um, the way it came about was I was coaching at the time. That's why I'm always curious about these transition stories. Like, in Mm. in a way, I feel like I've kind of transitioned as well over the last few years. But um, I was coaching, and somebody that I was coaching was doing this for the first time, so he had already bought the domain. So we went Mm. just went with that. I think he had gotten the domain. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, just random as far as, and I, again, that versus the .com, I think the .com was taken. So there's, I guess the only maybe, I don't think, I don't think there's any benefit to the domain, but also because here's the thing too, I knew that like the way I was going to grow this thing was going to be through email. And so I was like, the URL is less important in email when it comes to email. I know that's a weird, that was kind of how my mind was thinking. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get in people's inboxes. They're going to read a story and then they're going to click to go buy the deal. Um, I'm not too concerned with SEO. I'm not concerned with all these other things that maybe I should have been, but like, it's mm. one of those things that I just, I was like, better to just get it launched, go rock and roll with it. Um, then worry too much about the dot com. But again, I've never, I'm not in that blogging expert headspace of like domains. You know, and stuff. I think about the, the brand, like, you know, if you yeah. had, let's just say you blow up, right? People find out you're doing, you know, 50, hundred million dollars a year. Someone goes and buys infostack.com. Mm. Right, people hear brand name InfoStack. They see, they Google it. They see the .com. They see the .io. They're gonna think the .com is a real one, right? It's like that's where I get concerned with building, unless mm-hmm. it's already taken and you could see that someone's already doing a business that's totally not your business or right something, now. You know, InfoStack.com is a blank WordPress blog. I think Tom, you should, should jump on this. It's a WordPress template by the looks of things. Well, let me let me reach out, and then maybe we'll have a, a thing to discuss next time going through that process. I I agree with you. Like, I, my preference would be .com, but I'm also kind of a like we just recently launched um, a WordPress hosting company. Um, me and another partner, and again, it came down to the domain. I'm not going to share it just yet because it's not. We're kind of in the uh, the alpha stages right now with it. We're just onboarding a few clients right now, but like we we again. We went with an IO <laughs> where I'm just like, <laughs> I was actually hoping to get a .com, like do a whole brand kind of thing. But I'm like, ah, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to use email marketing to grow this again. I'm not too tied to the name. My partner really liked it. I think it's fine. It does the job. It needs to in, in many ways. Um, but yeah, once again, I'm missing the .com uh, I, on another brand. I honestly don't think it matters. Um, I, as an angel investor, I, I see all these okay. companies get pitched um, through some syndicates I'm in, and they are .xyz, .io, .co, everything you think of, even like .agency, .media, something, whatever they're doing. So, uh, and in fact, I think the one, like the second most successful so far of like the five six years I've been doing is a company called NutriSense, and I'm pretty mm. sure their domain is a .dot. IO, I just double check that. At least it used to be. They might have well, got. I think the sometimes com. when you have these kind of oddball uh, domain extensions, even when it comes to emails and email deliverability and so on, I think it affects it. I think if you if you have like dot gg or dot blue, like some weird, you know what I mean? Like I think that they don't work. I I really like these kind of domain extensions that have like a word because you could use them for your own um, short URLs. Like I own webfriend.ly, so every time we we have our own URL shortener that we use, so it's good for branding, you know. Um, like uh, if everyone's familiar, like Facebook has fb.me or like Twitter's tw.co or something, you know, something like this, right? So for those, but yeah, I think for the most part, you build a business around the domain. I just get, get concerned of like if you do go big, that you know someone can mess with your brand, basically, right? 
And even if you get a trademark, which I don't mind talking about trademarks, but if you get a trademark, you still have to enforce it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, part of me is like uh, is naively optimistic about the future, and that I'm just going to keep crushing and doing my thing, and everybody else hopefully will do their thing, and it'll just grow without yeah. having to go through any of those issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I'm being I mean, negative. Think about the. Um, the creator space now, like I don't know domain names for any of these people. It's just their names, you know. It's like right. super interesting. It's Logan Paul and Impulsive, you know. It's Colin and Samir, Colin and Samir's YouTube or podcast or whatever. So those those are real names, though. There's also a lot of brands out there that like aren't even names. They're just like I don't know. They're just like mashed together words and numbers, even, and they have huge amounts of followers. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm on Tom's opinion here. It's you know business model. First, if it's your email database yeah. and that's what matters, you're going after that. And then the domain name doesn't have to be great. I mean, sure, perfect world. You've got your .com, you got your trademark, and away you go. But it's the .coms are, are gone. I, I mean, I want to ask you guys, uh, I have, if I have one regret about my early years on the internet, especially like because I was in, there in the late 90s, was just not buying every single .com phrase I could get yeah. in domain names. Because I could have, I certainly could have, and I was... Mm-hmm. I was young. I was eighteen, nineteen, but I, I knew the what the internet was becoming, um, and I, I could. It was one hundred fifty bucks. I remember. Going, was it? Um, uh, there was one one domain registrar back then. It was the only one. Uh, Network Solutions, I think it was. And you just go there, buy domains. I could have bought any .dot com pretty much, except for the obvious ones like sex .dot com, business .dot com. They were all taken. But there's a lot of stuff you could have grabbed back then, and, and that would have been it. You would have been a multimillionaire just from owning those those domain names. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just went through the whole process of trying to find a, a domain name for, for my girlfriend's uh, business. It took us like a month just going through different names and figuring out, you know, price points. And I found like, as I dug into it and I really tried to figure out different names, I found some pretty good deals. I found like, I, we ended up getting a name. I don't know whether or not I should say it right now, but, you know, we ended up paying like 700 bucks for it, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think was like, out of all the names that we thought of, it was our number one choice, you know, uh, regardless of the price, it was the best name. But it took a long time of kind of research and kind of figuring out, okay, how does this name work and that name work? What, who's the competitors out there? You know, uh, so I think there are deals out there, that's for sure. What about your son, Matt? What, what, your son's got a thriving YouTube channel. What, what do you, how are you branding him? Or how is he branding himself? Uh, his name is a Super Epic Mr. Marcus. Um, I haven't like put up his website or anything yet. Um, I own Asafan.com. So I can make any family member a subdomain for any time, right? So if he ever wants to be Marcus.Asafan, you know, it's boom, right? He probably wants um, his domain name for that, that YouTube I got channel, his right? Name. Yeah, what was it again? Super <laughs> Fan Marcus? Super ep- no, Super wow. Epic Mr. Marcus. His, his branding is on point. It's way better than mine. <laughs> yeah, Good I made work, it. Man. I did it all myself. <laughs> He's actually growing. His channel is getting yeah. like a few subscribers a day right now. Is he beating, like, uh, is he beating you right now? <laughs> He, he is, I'm not I posted about this. He's beating us in watch time and, um, and, <laughs> nice. and views. That's and, so cool. And, and his growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm just impressed that he makes his own thumbnails. Like that is, just, that's not easy. That's so. cool. No, 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 no. It's, so, some of them now, um, um, I, I started making, there's a, somebody who reached out that said they want to make thumbnails for him, but oh. he did make a lot of the thumbnails. Yes. How old is your son? Let's go back to... (laughs) I want to talk about your son. I think he's going to surpass you (laughs) quite quickly, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, he's six, yeah. Man, it's just so... Sorry, no, we got to talk about this for a second. (laughs) 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 What, um, what, What... This is so interesting, though. Like, it's really cool. It seems like it's a really... How is that experience, doing that with your son? Um, It's cool. So he has been um, asking about being in the videos. Mm -hmm. And I told him that it's better for him just recording a screen for now. But he does 
often ask about being in the video. So right now, he is just screen recording. I bought him a PlayStation camera so that way he could be on video while he's broadcasting through his PlayStation. Okay. And then and then he could be in the corner there at the same time. We did like one or two videos like that. But I just found it would be better if he's just voiceover, right? And what's really great is that he's really improved his speech and communication and, and the kind of how to talk, you know? But also he's so into the YouTube community now, mm-hmm. right? He has his yeah. own, he controls his own YouTube channel, right? He's so into it that he's picking up on memes and stuff. Like he, I, he discovered what a Rick roll was, right? <laughs> so I told him, hey, why don't we do a Rick roll of uh, you pretending that you found like a promo code that gives you everything in the Minecraft store for free. And so he made that video. So the, he starts typing in the promo code Rick R-O and then it <laughs> plays the song, right? <laughs> And it's just like, it's super funny, (laughs) right? So, yeah. And so because he's, you know, picking up on these kind of different trends that are happening in the gaming space, um, you know, he's applying that now to to his stuff. So his ideas for all his videos are all his own. Um, We found that buying um, premium packs like on Minecraft and stuff, and then he does a video about it. Those are the videos that are picking up. So his biggest video now is the uh, Pac-Man because we bought the Pac-Man pack. And that video, last I checked, was at like 15,000 views. Right. And uh, that one's bringing him a whole bunch of subscribers, that one video. Right. So it's just cool to just kind of like he's just playing games that are kid friendly. It's actually his channel is actually a great resource for anyone looking for educational games for kids, because I try to get avoid him playing games that are kind of like you don't learn anything. Yeah. We just found this new one. It's called um, it's called uh, Thomas Was Alone. It's amazing. It's also on the iPad. I think it's probably on the iPhone, too. But we found it on PlayStation originally. And it's such a simple game. You're just like a, a, a like a rectangle, and you have to like kind of get through these little puzzles and mazes. It's amazing. It's like for kids to learn that. It was like, you know, like really trying to figure it out. Your son has the so, coolest voiceover on these on these videos. No, I know it is. He's it prolific is really too. Cute, he's so. like once every three or four days, he's doing a video, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is it's his passion, right? It's mm-hmm. funny too, because like I don't know how his mom feels about it now, but before she was like all against it, and you know, like, oh, you know, you know. But I was like, hey, it's good. He's a creator, right? He's he's learning to create. He learned how to use um, um, iMovie on his on his on his iPad. Wow. So he's he edits the videos. Like if you watch that one he did on Thomas was alone, there's an edit in it. He did all of that 100 by himself in his room. I wasn't even there. And you can see he edits it because Six he gets stuck old. on a part. Yeah. That's what I think is so interesting yeah. at such a young age because I, I think about with my kids. Like how can I, I give them, uh, you know, help, or help, help instill, um, you know, useful skills, you know? And I'm like, well, what do mm-hmm. I have? What can I possibly like do? But I like this as like – so I think kudos to you like for doing it. It's really cool. It seems like a, a couple, couple things. A couple, uh, one is you and your son. Like that's got to be fun. And kind of cool, mm-hmm. and what a cool thing to do together. And the like tonight, thing, our plan is yeah. to like play where we just got um, cityscapes or something like that. It's like um, it's okay. like SimCity on PlayStation, and our plan tonight is to like play that and like figure out how to play it. Right? That's cool. Yeah, so it's just fun, yeah. and then like bringing it in, and it's got to be like a creative pursuit for you, too. A little bit of creative outlet. Uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it is sometimes. But uh, I, what I found is when I was young, I always wanted to be in film. I still wanted like be a film director, make movies. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in high school, I wish I could. But at that time, for us, it was like, get a camera, make your own movie. Like, I didn't know. Like, I, I heard about Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. They just pick up a camera and they just, you know, Blair Witch Project, right? You just make 
the movie, right? But I never really had that outlet or that skill or any sort of support there, right? So I see him now that he knows that he has the ability to make a video and put it on YouTube. He doesn't care how many views it gets. He doesn't care how many subscribers. He just he just enjoys the process. It's just to him, it's just fun, right? So and cool. so I love that that you know him growing up in six years from now, he's but he knows he always can make videos. So whatever creative pursuit he wants to do, whatever he wants to put out there, he can, right? So that's what I'm, uh, you know. Yeah. I've wondered, of, yeah. I've wondered about that. Like, is that something to cultivate, like, that creator mindset? Like, I know I am, but I'm like, do I give that to my kids? Do I try to instill that? Like, this idea of teaching and educating and sharing. Like, I've really wondered about that, especially in the digital age. Like, what's, what's the appropriate thing for that? I don't know. I have no idea. I, luckily, I'm not there yet. But it's, it's pretty cool to see it when it's done, what's seemingly done right. Yeah, I think it's just like uh, I, 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 my main concern is if he gets uh, bullied um, later mm. on in school. That's why I've avoided him being on camera because mm-hmm. when he's like 10 or 12, they'll see him as a kid jumping around being silly and it might, you know, make fun or something like that, right? Mm. That what was, about that's Matt? Kinda, um, but maybe, yeah. The alternative or, not, or the more positive outcome here, what if he gets incredibly popular to you know millions of subscribers he starts making multiple six figures even millions of dollars do you quit everything you're doing and you're just become his manager like is that something you would see yourself i don't know it's hard that's hard because like that's kind of what happened with ryan's world right Mm. and his parents got so much criticism all that and so what his parents ended up doing they made a production company and they're they're they basically turned their son into the asset and started creating cartoons and they have other channels that feature mostly them doing silly things or whatever. Um, so because he's at such a young age, I think it's tough. Like you think about like Ryan from Ryan's World, right? Like he can't be a regular kid anymore, right? Like he goes around, if some kids see him, they're oh my God, it's Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what happened to like Michael Jackson and Britney Spears and, you know, and so on, right? So I do not have the ambition of like trying to make him super famous. I'm just letting him do his thing and see what happens. But uh, what if it happens when he's 13, older. 14, 15, and he's a bit older? I think we have to see when the time comes and just kind of managing that. Um, I mean, it depends on kind of like if that's what he wants to do at that time. I know. I, can, I don't know. I can't say for sure right now. It's just going I used to, to um, I'm a big fan of tennis, and I used to think if I had a kid when they actually really liked tennis and they wanted to go pro, um, would I want to be like that? you know, dad in the traveling around the world, sitting in the box, whatever it is, you know, Mm. supportive, crazy coach or anything like that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it sounds really appealing, but I think you realize it's actually just a lot of grinding and a lot of traveling and you're not even the person in the limelight, you know, it's, it's your, you're living vicariously through your child. So that's why I'm kind of asking you, Matt, because having spent a career online, it's the, you know, the children surpassing their parents, which you want them to do, obviously. But I, yeah. I almost like, would you feel jealous of your own kid if they're, you know, really so, doing so well on YouTube and, and you're not, you know, <laughs> like, can you, can oh, you, I, you wouldn't, I would not feel, no, I no, wouldn't no, feel no, jealous no. at all. I, I, I wouldn't feel you're such healthy yeah. parents. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no, 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 I don't, I, I, I don't even want yeah. to be famous. So, so yeah. yeah, no, I, and I, the thing is on the, on the, that parent front, yeah, I, I want them, I'd like them to excel me. And I feel like that, that'd be awesome if I could help them do that without it being like, you know, a horrible experience, like, but all, you know, all the necessary things, but that they excel, that's what I would want. But like on this front too, is super interesting because, um, it's, uh, it is just that, like, it's like, it's, I see it as such a useful skill and being able to do this kind of create this kind of content, 
but it does throw into uh, question like all these things of like kids and growing platforms and like how does that actually like what is that like Um, I know those are all hypotheticals right now so you don't even have to deal with them but it is fascinating to kind of look at the other big criticism that that I, I I would get um, sometimes was his use of technology. To mm. me, I embrace that he knows how to use his iPad and, and he knows how to use iOS um, uh, better than like my mom or like better than mo- better than his mom. You know, um, he's really really good with it. He knows in the settings, you know, everything. He understands. Um, you know, I was explaining to him about um, uh, what like gigabytes meant to storage space, how it slows things down. He like he he just he knows he he gets all these things right. Um, I explained to him that he needs a new iPad soon. Like when I bought his iPad, we bought him like a base level iPad because I did not realize how much he could use it. So this Christmas, I'm planning to buy him um, one of the new M1 iPads. I'm not sure which one, probably the new one that comes out, right? Because he just can use it so much. His storage is always full now, and like he's processing videos and all this kind of things, right? You you, you introduce so the I, technology though as like as a as a creator though, and I think that's an important distinction, right? Like he's creating on it. It's not a consumption device; it's like a production device. No, it is because he he also played like for example, he's now playing Roblox. And yesterday mm-hmm. I saw it, and I was like, Roblox is just you're just fooling around. You can learn how to code your own things in Roblox, right? But he's not there. He's not doing that. He's just messing around on it. To me, it's not educational. When he plays Minecraft, there's a lot of stuff. He's now learning how to type in the chat commands. Like he learned how to get himself into spectator mode yesterday. Um, he learned how to code his own blocks. He can make his own characters. He uses something else called Tinker, where you can actually code your own things. Um, you know, so it's very educational playing Minecraft, right? Like Thomas was not alone. Very educational. Uh, there's a lot of games that like y- y- they're puzzles. They they help you think differently, right? Whereas there's other games where you can just kind of mess around, like totally reliable delivery service. You're just messing around, having fun, whatever. It's fine. He could play it. He's playing with other people, having some fun, right? But um, you know, I, I mostly am encouraging the educational side, like learn how to actually use this tool, um, you know, for for mm-hmm. yourself uh, to to create, right? So. You know, there's the whole thing with like screen time and you know all that kind of stuff. But he's super good. If I tell him put away your iPad, like yesterday I said, take a break from your iPad, go clean your room. And he's just like, okay. There's no, he never will complain or anything because he knows that you know he gets his time with his iPad and he also has to do other things too, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, like he was playing with his iPad, I'm like let's go for a walk. He just says okay, puts it down, let's go for a walk. That's it. Uh, you know, he knows he can't touch his iPad b- b- until he finishes his breakfast, for example, like today, right? So he just you know. He's really good in that kind of a way. He's just, you know, really well behaved. But, uh, but most people are scared. Most parents, I think, are scared to, to um, encourage their ch- children to use uh, mm-hmm. technology, such as their phones and stuff. To me, I've always encouraged. He's, he's been playing with his phone. I always dim the screen, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because I am concerned about the amount of light coming out for his eyes, stuff like that. But there's a lot of studies that show that um, the use of playing games on iPads and stuff actually improves your eyesight because it, it improves, like, I don't know what you call it, like the inside of your eye, like the, your ability to like focus on small things because you're zooming in, zooming in and out with your eyes. So there's a lot of studies that actually support that um, screen time is good for you versus bad for you. And there's a lot of studies that support gaming is really good for you versus bad for you. So I'm actually a big believer that gaming um, it, it makes you smart. Um, real quick, just side note here, then let's move on. But I remember when I was around um, 18 years old, um, I used to just go to work, come home, and I would play Tony Hawk Pro Skater, right? I'm on PS2 or 3, I don't know, probably PS2. And I remember I was so... Um, I just wanted to accomplish all the goals in the game and I always just like I would keep playing until I accomplished a goal and I would just put in the reps to collect skate or to like 
you know, get a certain amount of points. And I, you know, I, I beat the whole game. But I really felt during that time period of my life when I was like 18 years old, I would just go to work, come home, play Tony Hawk. That was all I was doing. I stopped partying and drinking and I was just, you know, very focused on making money. So I would work like 10, 12 hour days and play games, right? But it like, it really instilled in me this idea of like, you know, you put in the reps, you accomplish your goals. And like, I never forget that era of my life. It was like maybe like a six month period, right? It like really changed me, you know? Maybe it was just coincidental or whatever it was, but it really changed my ability to like get stuff done. And shortly thereafter, you know, I got into entrepreneurship and then, you know, I had this whole thing with me where it's like, you know, put in the reps, get, get work done, keep trying, you reach your goals, right? And I think a lot of gaming can teach you that as well. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> I would like to know how you're building your email list. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. I don't know. It's, uh, uh, you know, again, and all this stuff, it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. We, so we have maybe, you know, um, 40,000 plus subscribers. So it's not a ton. Like I know people with bigger lists and stuff like that. Um, I think the more interesting part is like a lot of that is growing through partnerships and stuff like that. Other people emailing their list. We started from zero. So like from zero. So you have an affiliate program. Yep. Right. The first thing anybody sign up or is it like a one-on-one thing? Anybody can sign up, but we vet everybody, so we don't let everybody be an affiliate. Um, so we have like okay. definitely a vetting process, but we do get when we get and applications. Why do day. people want to be? Why do people want to be affiliates? Um, are you are you known to have really good conversions, or like what's attracting all the affiliates? Yeah, I think I think um, yeah, it's a few it's a few things that back it up. Like I'm not sure what's like the precursor to somebody, but a lot of, I don't know, I have to go through and see all the applicants that we get, for instance. But it's a couple of things. One is we do have pretty solid conversion rates. So like when we do a campaign, they're time sensitive, they're limited. There's like that urgency scarcity built in um, mm. and they're super discounted. So it has like all the elements of like, you know, the flash sale concept. But how do like the affiliates find out about it? So because we have so many out. partners, it's kind of this like just compound effect of getting partners in and they're emailing uh, and they're promoting on social media. So we're all over social media. We just don't have any social media accounts really, effectively oh, speaking. So we just tap another people's social when I was, medias. I was looking for like affiliate programs so that I can go and see like what kind of stats they have. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not like, you know, I know you can go to like JVZoo or like uh, uh, ClickBank, stuff like that. But those kind of offers to me is like yeah. kind of crappy, right? Yeah. I want to know like stuff like what you're talking about. I wish there was like a place I can go to go and like find out like what kind of, you know, sales people are getting from emailing and, you know, what kind of conversion rates, that sort of thing, right? I think it's it interesting. Would, it would uh, be interesting. I don't know how you consolidate that without ha- owning the platform, like like JVZoo does it and these other platforms, right? Maybe it was like a review site, right? You just have the product and an affiliate. I don't know. It's weird, <laughs> weird. It's weird to vet it. But that's interesting. So how often do you email your list? We, we probably email um, on average a few, a few times hey, a week. Hey, wait a minute. Wait. I just realized something. Yeah. So if an affiliate is promoting your offer, yes. that means that everybody on your list bought something they're all buyers yeah oh wow yeah so like the majority so every time an affiliate is emailing you're getting yep. that you're building your list from buyer yep. actual buyer oh, okay that's, that's how it that's was for good. the first first few years for sure and then just recently it's like hey we should put in waiting pages on these <laughs> deals and hey we should have and, and so we've done a couple uh, things like that so we have recently started to get people to sign up but oh, if they're signing up they're signing up on a waiting list like they want they're signing up for the deal like I we don't we've done lead magnets and freebies and stuff like that in conjunction with a campaign, but it's like, but for the most part, yeah, every at least for the first few years, everybody that was coming into our list was a customer, and so our our list is probably ninety percent buyers. 
Dude, that is so interesting that you have so yes. affiliates will promote to join the wait list. So I'm mm-hmm. just here. I looked at um, today's deal for it's for abundance, uh, the ultimate abundance super stack. Mm-hmm. There's no real info. It says deal goes live in, and then there's no timer there. I, I guess it's a uh, not complete. Let's check it out. I hit join the wait. Li- oh, it doesn't work right now. Your, oh. your, your, your page is broken. My page is. Oh, I know it worked for me. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know, though. That it is. I'll double check that it is working for me. And what? Is a, uh, you're a you're on slash stack slash abundance. Yes, it's working for me. Oh, seriously? Both what, of you? What what browser are you on, Matt? That's good for me to troubleshoot this. Uh, just to I, know. I'm on Chrome. Chrome? Okay, I am too. Do you have any crazy plugins? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Well. That's weird. Check that out. That is re- really weird. But yes, what that would, what you I, are not seeing that I'm, I'm seeing is, it has the just the title, yeah, and very little description. It says join the waiting list. This deal goes live, and and then the countdown timer. So it's real basic, and we do this on the front end of campaigns and on the back end. So we get a flood of traffic for these campaigns, and then on the back end, that's usually where wait, we capture can you, most of. Wait, can this. you click on join the waitlist right now? Yes, huh. I think it's working oh, for Yaro too. It's giving me a pop up. I got a question for you. Huh. Uh, Tom, with yeah, I'm reading this copy and I'm like, I want un- un- to unlock unlimited health, wealth, and abundance today. And then I read, you know, the subheadline, but it's it's so generic. Like, I don't know if this is going to be like a spirituality thing or a yeah, I don't know change my diet either. thing. Like, when someone lands at this page, are they coming preconditioned in some way? Like, it's your regular subscribers in that sort of niche? Like, you tag them yeah for that topic. I I, I, w- I would describe that's a good really good question. I and I agree. It's funny. It's some of the things that like. I, I, we, we've done from a lot of experimentation. And one of the things I've realized that kind of the zone we're playing in, or at least how I perceive we're playing in that zone, like the game I'm playing with this business, is that when people come to me, they're already warm. They're, and they're being referred. So I don't have to do things like, here's what this topic means. They already know what the topic means. They've, and they, we get that through the copy that we do with our, our swipe copy for our affiliates. So they're the ones sending the stories. They're the ones explaining what's happening. And then they're sending it to us. And when we go live with the full sales page, we'll have more information on it. We're not expecting to get a ton of traffic. This doesn't, again, this is, very, this is a very lazy example of execution that still is effective, right? Like this is not the most optimal thing I could do here. I could, ha- I could have more about the products. And maybe I should. I'd actually take your recommendations on this if you guys think how I can improve this. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the other pages that you have um, in your footer. The yes. other ones work for me, but uh, the abundance one doesn't. The other ones do. Um, okay. Your, uh, is that a your uh, crypto, <laughs> yeah, your your crypto one uh, is the the deals at zero. The timer's on zero. Mm-hmm. The ultimate crypto super pack. That needs to be fixed. So, yeah, the uh, dating lifestyle one doesn't work for me. The uh, footer doesn't load, and the waiting list button doesn't open. Probably a div. Well, a just div go ahead and tear apart the site yeah, right now, guys. Live with everybody. This. This but check it out. Work. Here's here. Let's 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 pull a, a learning lesson from this though. In spite okay. of how sloppy the site is right now, <laughs> it, it still does really well. I do like your logo, and I think your name is excellent because it kind of tells me what it is. Infostack, mm-hmm. kind of, I, I kind of get it right away. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff I really do like about your site. So if uh, if I have courses or content, the benefit to me to be a contributor right? Mm-hmm. Is that I'm going to get all those leads from everybody that, that buys from you. I don't make any money by giving my course. On the, on the contrary, um, we do it based on commissions. So 
So or, there's some of that. There's there's a couple of reasons. As an affiliate, a straight affiliate, they just make a, a commission on the sale. No, 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 not an affiliate. Like yeah. let's say I have a course that I want to yes. put into one of these stacks. And you would be okay. So we call it, yeah. We would describe you as like a contributing partner. So a contributing partner would or, yeah. So you'd have you'd get what you'd get is a special higher commission. You get a seventy percent commission. Oh, as I see. A partner. So what if we, I don't want to promote it? Then I'm not a partner. I don't know why, you, why you'd want to be a part of it. Some people choose to. Some people do. Oh, well, here's one, one reason why, why you might. But most of the time, we do get partners in who see it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I can promote this. It's a reason for me to yeah. share this. So it's kind of built into the equation. Not that we necessarily okay. like live and die by that. Like If we get a really good piece of content and the person just can't promote, but it's like they just want to contribute it and they want to be a part of it, we have that. And then, yes, if it's a course and people sign up for it for free, you'd get that lead. Right, so people are signing up for your course. So again, these are very um, the benefit to you then. If but the be- ultimate benefit from most of our partners that come back repeatedly are they're promoting it as well. So they do some kind of special deal or special one course they put in there, or we have really good software partners that'll put like you know Pro Writing Aid. We'll give a full year of their software, um, or they have in the past, and we've had awesome, really cool things like that where it's like you can't get that deal anywhere else. But what they get is by offering something really cool, you know, like a year free of the software, is they get all those signups, you know. And so again, it can yeah, be, yeah, yeah. it can be, we always try to find that win-win with our partners. Like it's not going to work if, if people are very one-sided about it. We're very transparent with what we do and how we do it. We don't sell the list or anything like that on our end. And we are very protective right. of the brands we work with. So, so let's just say I have a course I normally sell for like 200 bucks or 500 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of course that you might put into one of Perfect. these stacks, right? Yeah, that's about the range. And then you would sell it. You, you'd get a bunch of these courses that are all kind of within this one category. And you would sell it for, what's your average price point? 50 to $70. Okay. So if, if my audience knows that I sell this thing normally for, you know, 200 or $500, then I, I promote it for 70 and it's bundled with all this other stuff. Or am I not kind of like devaluing my course quite a bit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why am I wanting to promote that? I can speak to that as the other side of the fence because back when I was okay. selling courses on a regular basis, um, I was approached and have been approached many times to be part of a bundle, like putting in something of mine. And I haven't done it recently, but I did do it a couple of times. And it's mostly like a lead generation thing I, I found for me it wasn't obviously about making a ton of money but it was about getting the benefit of all these other people sending to their database so we're kind of getting that multiplier effect where every affiliate's promoting every affiliate is getting access to that you know kind of customer base at once um we didn't all get a copy of like the email list but because we were all making sales of our product we were all getting some kind of customer database so and I would never put my flagship course in there, but I certainly put like my, I think I had like a hundred dollar course I would often include. It was like a, how to choose a topic one um, called the blog money finder. And I would very much say that's the one to throw into the bundle. The, the thing that I actually in more recent days have more hesitation about is emailing my newsletter, such a, a, a big offer that can be not off topic, but it, it it's, you know, it's not Yarrow's product. It's, all these people's products so it's a lot of brands and it can be like you know it's it's the uh, the benefit of getting a database is everyone else is also getting the database so suddenly all your clients are also getting all these emails from all these other people selling products so it's a win-lose yeah. kind of scenario but it's so common it's just it, and uh it's rapid like i think that's the best thing that's why i, I would understand why tom has no problem getting uh, affiliates to be part of this because uh 
it's there's nothing faster for email list growth or, or quick sales than these kind of campaigns. I, I would also I say, was, too, what's interesting, I'll just point this out. Um, that's everything you said is, is true. Um, one way we mitigate the email list thing on the, on the back end, the email abuses in our contracts. So we have some things kind of that stipulate kind of partner terms and conditions. Um, not in such a way that's like really negative to them, but to hopefully avoid like spam and the, the negative repercussions of that. Like if everybody was just all of a sudden you're getting hundreds of emails. So if that's like a consideration. But the other thing is we have had partners um, who have earned like a, a lot of a lot of money on it and come back to earn it on on the commissions. So they might have other courses, and these are very premium level people, like top of their game, if you will, in some of these spaces. And I think it's space dependent, like niche dependent. I see where you're coming at it from, Matt. And I'd say we actually have maybe more difficulty curating stuff in the information or in the uh, uh, internet marketing space in some ways because of that because people are like well i don't want to I, I don't want to diminish my brand but there's other spaces that are way more collaborative in nature very mm. much collaborative in nature and and the idea of being actually lined up next to other people with good brands and stuff like that might help uh, boost them okay. it has to be done well you know what i mean like there's a balancing act to all this whole thing like if, if it's if it's a well curated bundle it can be really positive for everybody we, we definitely have people who come just for the commissions um, because they can they convert too, so like it's not exclusively just to build a list. Different intentions for different people, though, for sure, from our partners. I'd love to get your take, both of you guys, on AppSumo and like obviously, Tom. You guys aren't the exact same business, but same no. business model where you're you know sen sending yeah. deals to a massive email list. Yeah, I can't remember uh, the last report from uh, Noah Kagan, the founder of AppSumo, but I, th I think it was they're on track for seventy million a year yep. in revenue and I was I like I read that whoa it's like 70 million a year from essentially a email database company selling other people's products and I know Noah I actually was in a room once at a hotel with him in Australia and it was earlier days with AppSumo but he, he's a bit of a one of those savants where he's fantastic at marketing but also fantastic at actually coding and he was in there with his MySQL database showing how he was building the list and running these these ad campaigns and it was you know he, he he's getting tens of thousands of opt-ins a day so it was really really big numbers but um i didn't think that would become a 70 million dollar a year in sales uh, business model honestly I, I was like software is big and there's a lot of buyers but you have to keep finding more and more deals and keep finding more and more leads and and keep doing that for 70 million in sale and growing from 30 million to 70 million in like one year, I think it was some of the data I saw. So I don't, I don't know, Tom, what do you, what's, the key, what's stopping you from making 70 million a year in sales? <laughs> We're, I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm trying to get there because that's how I see it. I mean, we have, sh we have shortcomings in, in some ways um, versus the AppSumo model exactly. But I see that, like I'm aware of that. And I like, I like how AppSumo's approached it. Like, I think they've done a lot of good things, you know? So when I look at that, I'm like, in some ways inspired by them because they do discounts really well. Like, I'm a customer. I bought many of their products. We actually have some AppSumo products that we use to run InfoStack, you know what I mean? Right. Which is kind of cool. So, like, again, I'm just trying to, when, when we build this, it's like, get really good partners, get really good products in. The rest will kind of follow because we're very good at the optimization, not all this other stuff. Again, we're, we're very sales oriented. I, I mean, this website is like, I should have it optimized, but again, next, next level or next phase. But like what I really focus on is just like um, making sure that the deals perform really well and those are curated well and that whole event is done really well. 
And again, I've done this for so long. Like I've done so many affiliate marketing campaigns. Like I got to learn from some of the best in the business and see, see and work with like million dollar affiliate programs and stuff like that and get to manage like top tier affiliates and whatnot. And like, so again, that was just kind of built into my DNA to do this. It was just like, instead of doing this for all my, when I was doing the agency esque thing, instead of doing this for all these other companies, I'm just going to do this internally for me. And I just turned it in on myself. And so that's kind of what fundamentally this is built on. So yeah, for what it's worth. I, I, I'm big into the, uh, you know, AppSumo daily deal space. I'm looking into it a lot. I've talked to them. I'm an affiliate for AppSumo. And I remember one time I was talking to the affiliate manager and, um, and I found their, that what they use for their um, affiliate tracking and the resources that they give and all, all that just wasn't that great. And I, and I kind of made a comment to her. I was like, oh, it seems like, you know, I know this is probably not your guys' main focus for revenue. She's like, no, a- affiliates is the number one source of revenue. And I was surprised because I was like, it was kind of not a great uh, affiliate. Uh, uh, you know, nothing bad. It wasn't bad. I won't say it's bad at all. It was just kind of like not great, right? Um, and, uh, I thought that was interesting, but also you think about if they're doing, if they said 70 million, you right away know if they're, you know, they're technically just affiliates, right? So half of that is going towards all these different products, right? They said that they recently, I think I, I heard, uh, Noah Key can talk about this on his podcast that when they created their marketplace, so now there's always, people can just add their deal into the marketplace and they had a bunch of crappy stuff inside there for a while but i think i could be wrong about this that that generated an extra 10 million dollars for them i mm. think that's what he said i could be totally off on that one but I, that's what i think i remember so uh, and they're getting better deals but also this whole lifetime deal space there's a lot of people pumping out kind of code canyon products you know you buy some script on code canyon you put it up a site you launch a daily deal you do 100k a couple months later shut it down sorry guys right yep. and so that's kind of where like kind of like people are scamming. That's basically a scam, right? Um, and so I think AppSumo is trying to do more to mitigate that. But I give this idea. I actually messaged Noah Keegan about this. I think I said this on the show before that they should make all deals into NFTs. That way, when you're buying you the deal, it. you can resell it and yeah. not you know because there's also people doing scams with uh, the resales, right? And it also allows the businesses to earn things, yeah. money on uh, on on the sale, right? So it'd well, be interesting two, they actually do that. And, uh, two yeah. thoughts on that. Like one is the marketplace. Yeah, it's like that's one of the things that we're exploring too, but marketplaces aren't easy. So like he's, he's definitely done that right if that's already what they're generating from that. Um, on the NFT front, it's like another thing where I'm like, if I had extra time in my life and could just devote like a whole another day every day to it, hmm. would be the idea of NFTs in that capacity for something like that, but also for our model. Because I actually believe that our model would do way better if it was built on NFTs. Like if we had instantaneous percentage distributions of revenue from mm-hmm. every purchase mm-hmm. of every bundle and somebody could then resell that bundle to someone else, but the original creators are constantly getting a, a cut, getting yeah. their fair cut, so to speak. Like, yeah. I just feel like I could definitely sell that. I get people, you know, get partners into it. I'm sure they'd be pumped up about it, but I'm, I have technically, it'd be, it's just beyond comprehension for me. Matt, um, I feel like Tom and I have both kind of talked a lot about our businesses, but what exactly, how do you make money nowadays? We haven't really heard from you and what you're doing. Uh, well, uh, funny, what happened with me was, um, I, you know, you guys know me, I was doing social media director, which was my course. I did that for a long time and I started kind of losing my passion for, for doing that. And then I, I was focused on growing internet masterminds and I wanted to create chapters all over the world with internet masterminds. From October of 2019 until like 
March or something or whatever it was, February, before, just before COVID hit, we were building up our chapters and it was working really well. We were selling licenses for people to have chapters in, in various cities. And then when COVID hit, we could do events anymore. I just didn't want to do online events. I was like, my whole thing was doing live events and creating content from live events, right? And so then I just started kind of doing some agency work here and there. People just randomly contacted me and asked me to help with different things. But what happened was I watched um, Grant Cardone on Undercover Billionaire. Did you guys see that? I know what you're talking about. Episode okay. one. So there's... There's um there's a someone who took a clip so on, on season two of Undercover Billionaire someone took all the clips of Grant Cardone and put it on YouTube it's like a six hour video on YouTube otherwise you have to watch the whole season and there's like three different stories going on right but what was interesting about watching him is what he ended up doing to build this like million dollar valuation business was starting an agency right and basically he was going to agents he was going to businesses that were local in the area saying hey we'll help you you know do your youtube and your podcast we'll help you make your content all that kind of stuff and in the process of making this show and figuring out how to make a podcast how to do a youtube show all the editing all that stuff part of the reason why i i i want to stick with the framework for our show being kind of like news and discussions about current events and so on is because i believe that it can be replicated for any industry and I think that news, the way that we're doing it now, is is something that's going to be on trend. I think people don't notice that kind of just taking articles or news that's already trending and then talking about it, like commentary on that. There's a lot of people who have built channels in niches, right? Even looking at, like, I watch a lot of the um, Marvel movie breakdowns. That's kind of the same thing. They're like, here's what Kevin Feige announced, and here's what's going to happen in the next Marvel movie. And they, they build huge audiences around this niche, around people who like... You know, have you watched She-Hulk yet? Film. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I'm actually really getting out of this Marvel stuff because I have a feeling it's going to get real woke real soon. So woke? I didn't even watch Thor. It's going to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You guys don't know. I, I'm not going to get into it right now. But yeah, I was, uh, I, I waited. I watched Doctor Strange on uh, Disney Plus. I didn't see it in theaters. And same with like Thor. I, I didn't go to theater to watch it. Um, so um, anyways, let's, that's another topic. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so uh, basically uh, that's, what I started doing is just more agency work. But what's funny about doing the agency work is like I thought, oh, I could, because I, I know I can get clients. And I was like, oh, I can, I can scale to 20 clients real quick. And then boom, you know, million dollar valuation business, right? Kind of like what he had done on the show. And as soon as I started doing it, I realized that like it really takes building a team and the right people in order to like make this whole thing work, right? And I found that when I'm, when I really like doing is copywriting. Right. And when I'm doing my copy and building these sales pages, like I'm in my zone, I'm in my creative space. I feel good about it. I like after I finish writing, I'm on my phone looking at the Google Doc and just looking at it and just, you know, fixing little things here and there and just getting all consistent. And it really becomes like an art form, you know, so it's like and I look at like I, I get paid pretty well to, to write copy and then I'm getting paid pretty good to do all these other mechanics of, of business. Like a lot of it is like, you know, their website, front end, their their conversion rate optimization, getting them traffic, all that kind of stuff, which I could build a team around doing all that stuff. But I'm not enjoying as much of the management of all those people doing all those things. Yeah. But that is scalable, right? But then what I enjoy is I love getting a project that pay me a ton of money and I spend a week or two and I just zone in on this topic and I just write the best sales page possible. Like, you know, I just, this last two weeks I had these two big deadlines and I wrote two big launches. One of them uh, was with one JV. We did 50K over the weekend. And a lot, they were, they wanted to extend the offer over a week. I'm like, but they're only 
emailing for three days. So just make it a three-day offer, and it worked. And I, we also changed the pricing and the packages or whatever. And then, like, they seemed pretty happy about it. I was pretty happy about it, right? Now I just finished, you know, because I was on this time crunch, you know, I only had a week to finish it. I just, boom, crammed it in. And, like, I, that was a great week. And then the next week, I had to do the next sales page. Same thing happened. I was on a deadline, and then just, like, worked super hard on it, right? So... I've basically been doing marketing for other people right now. And uh, although I do enjoy it, I don't see it as being scalable. And that's where I'm kind of challenged right now with trying to figure out, you know, what, you know, if something happens to me now, like I can't keep writing copy or like I have to build a team or, or do something else that, you what, know, what if, um, I also realize, yeah. uh, you know, high, high copywriting is one of the highest paid per hour jobs. What if, right. and, and you're quite right, like if you, you, you're in a coma, you can't write copy and your company stops working. But um, you could spend yeah. a year or two, avoid any traffic accidents and, you know, stay safe. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And if you're making like half a million, a million a year, do that for two or three years and, and you're, you're doing, you know, you're probably set, right? Uh, and like you're already getting yeah. paid six figures for, for some of these deals, I believe. So, I mean, that's rare and that's, that's, you've got a client that's paid that, which means you can get more clients that pay that. Uh, two yeah. or three years of that, and and you're you've got angel investing money. You can you know invest in other That's companies. Basically, what I'm doing right now, I'm just like stacking cash, right? Yeah. Like it's working. I'm making money, but I'm like, I need to like build a real business, do something, you know? Like it's not, right now, I'm self-employed, right? Before, when I was doing social media director, it was great too. Sure, I was self-employed, but like I'm selling a course. It was twenty five hundred bucks. If people took payment plans and so on, you know, it turned into like thirty two hundred bucks. But it was it was the the challenge was like. The, the delivery, sorry, it wasn't, it was like the good part was the delivery was all taken care of. It was easy to deliver, right? So all I had to do was go and find more affiliates and JV partners, right? And then just boom, boom, we're making money, right? But it's like, because I'm so not passionate about it, it's so hard for me to do that right now. I can't, like, it's so hard to make a course for me right now. Even though, like, I know, I, I keep thinking about, oh, if I do social media director again, I know exactly what I could teach, right? But it's like... There's just something in me that I just don't, don't want to do it right now. I don't know. I should maybe get over it, but that's where it's like more scalable. Even though I'm still technically self-employed, it's a lot more scalable. Whereas right now it's like, you know, I got to, uh, I don't know, I got to figure that out. But that's that cash I, I, I feel I'm, you I'm though. always looking for opportunities. But I, f I feel you on that too. Cause like I, I was, I was there in a way cause I was doing, it seems like maybe a, a somewhat similar to you. You might've been, might be doing more design. Like you do the pages and the design and the funnels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, when I did launches, a lot of times it would be more like, um, copy sequences not necessarily touching the tech per se the tech or the design but um mm. it was the same deal it's like you can you can make quick cash with it but when it comes to like a particular i guess the particular eye to put these things together that's not very scalable and it's kind of like so it's like yeah stack the cash and move on to something else and i and i that's what i one of the reasons why I, infostack was appealing to me i was like i'm not i don't have to hustle my own stuff like i don't I got really tired of having to like market my own programs. Um, I didn't like putting myself in the limelight, but if I can market somebody else's, it's easier to sell for me. Like, if that makes sense. I know it's very strange. That's exactly, yeah. I was even like, because I, I bought socialmediadirector.com, so I think it's a great domain name, right? Um, Where's and, the hyphen? Uh, I was even looking. Use a dash? This, no, no, I don't put dashes. Socialmediadirector.com, Social dash that's it. Hyphen director dash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I was looking for somebody else, and I thought that they could teach the course. I get to do all the marketing for it, right? 
which I would love. So I did talk to some people about that, right? I also have different ideas of like what to do with that course. So I, I think that if I, if I did want to target that, that industry again, I think I know enough now that I think that it could do very well. I think I could do a million dollar launch with that. But uh, it's just a matter of like, you know, you got to be passionate about what you're doing. I also realized actually that, um, and I think a lot of people struggle with this right now, um, not just me. I've been noticing it a lot more is that I, I was watching an old video of myself speaking at, uh, uh, it was actually at the Science World IMAX Theater. I rented out the theater. I did a whole presentation. There's like 300 people there, right? And I was randomly watching this video of myself. And I, while I was watching it, I was like, that guy was like, not me now. That guy like really cared about the audience. He really cared. I was, I was teaching from the heart, right? Whereas now I, I, I feel like You're jaded and all point, about the money, right? <laughs> it's, it's, all about. it's not that it's not that it's not, it's really not that what it is is like, I realize that now, like I, I, I started to feel, and I think a lot of people feel this. It's like, I started to feel like resentment towards my community because yeah. of all this kind of stuff that's going on, you know, um, uh, I just kind of feel like, I don't know that I just, uh, I, it's like the part of me that really cares is like not there, right? Uh, what do you even mean? Like looking like, at like you when you say your community, you mean the people who would previously attend your events, buy your products, and all that, or you mean other people? In I the, mean, because those, well, I just feel like people online are the same people who are in in the real world. Like some people are like so against online dating, right? But I'm like the people online are the same people who are outside, right? So when reaching like a mass audience, right? You look at some people who reach mass audiences, look at all the, the hate that comes and all the mm -hmm. naysayers and all that kind of stuff, which I know that's part of, you know, you, you become popular, you're going to get haters, you're going to people talking shit, all that. I get that part of it, right? But that used to not, I used to not really care about that at all. I, I shouldn't say like, like it was just completely like, I did not care about haters. I, 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 I measured my success by how many haters that I had. Right, because I was like, the more popular you are, the more haters you will get. Right, but I was also very passionate about what I was doing. Right, so but because it's like not as I, there's always this kind of like feeling of like, um, right now again, self-employed, not you know feeling like I'm building a business. I'm not on a mission, so I don't have that same level of passion. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like in in that way, I was like, you know, but also I want to be able to genuinely be able to like help people and figure out that side of it, right? So that's why when I'm doing my copyright, doing the marketing and I'm seeing success with these clients and they're happy with it, like I enjoy that, right? It's like I'm getting some joy from it. But so I think that's kind of the, the part. Like uh, I was actually going to go back to this Grant Cardone on Undercover Billionaire. I'm not a big Grant Cardone fan. I don't watch his content and stuff and nothing really against him. I just never really was into it. But when I saw him on the show, I really liked it. And when I was looking back, diagnosing, why I kind of really fell in love with Grant Cardone during that show is because in that show, he cares. He's just like there, like the way he's, the way he ended up building his business was he, he would say, um, yeah, con yeah, con contacts equals contracts, right? So he's always about like, it's who you know, right? But when he was going to those people, he's not trying to like use them, right? Like you could tell he genuinely cared. He's like, the only way he's gonna get successful is if he can make them successful, right? But then going back and looking at him on YouTube and he's got more ego, maybe some arrogance or whatever it is, right? I had someone else point out to me that there was a clip with him and he got Gary Vee on a show. And Gary Vee is all about caring. And then when you see the contrast between Grant Cardone and Gary Vee, it just made Grant Cardone not look very good, right? Because it feels like he doesn't care. He's all about the money. He's all about, you know, whatever, that sort of thing, right? So I think that's really important. Anyone building a personal brand, creating content, I think that people can tell that you care. 
And I think when you care, that's when it, you know, it really comes out. You know? So it's like even making the show, like this is a show that I wish existed. So I care about the stuff that we talk about. I care. I think it's important that the show exists. And that's why I keep doing it. That's why I really enjoy doing it, right? And also the whole process of making it has been, has been like a big learning experience in itself, like just figuring this whole thing out, right? So how do you that's kind of where I'm at How do now. you kickstart caring if you've lost it? I feel like I've gotten emails from people about that. Yeah. Like, oh, how do I re- rekindle the fire? I thought that too. When I, when I discovered that I had resentment towards my community, I shared it with a group of friends. And then I was surprised that everybody resonated with it. <laughs> everyone was like, me too. And everyone started talking about why, right? This is all this COVID stuff and, you know, vaccine, like that big thing. Now there's a lot of like censorship. What, you know, do you agree in censorship or do you think freedom of speech? You know, like there's a lot of division in with, within, I would say, in North America, right? With kind of what's going on, right? Um, and my, my whole thing maybe started even before that, right? And so it's it's interesting now because now I'm trying to figure out like what you know what do I care about why do I want to do what I do you know and it's like the thing that drives me is writing the sales page my client telling me that it made them you know millions of dollars you know over the last couple of years or like you know doing 50k in a weekend for them and then telling me hey that was awesome let's keep going you know like that like makes me excited right uh, but I'm again just growing their business but then a lot of their businesses they're passionate about their business and they're like they're helping people so it's like that i feel like i could help more people i'm not taking anyone as a client that's doing some bullshit right but they're helping more people right so i i mean i don't know what the real answer is because i've been like in a uh discovery phase i'm out here looking for opportunities and also looking for like you know getting that drive, that passion, and that, that ability to like really care, I think that's what is going to build a business. But it's been should, interesting in the last two years because it's like I've been kind of low-key, but learning a lot, doing a lot, still having a lot of success, and I know when I find my next thing, I know I'm gonna blow it up, right? It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing is about this is like, it's an opportunity for people to like eavesdrop into us kind of masterminding, just kind of chatting, whatever. And again, I wanna make it so that way we just enjoy the process and, uh, you know, I've been really committed. I, I, I really considered, you know, quitting this show after some time because it was like so much time and effort putting this together. And it's like opportunity loss of like, I can take another client, right? It's like, mm. it's basically like I can get another client, make another five, 10 grand a month versus doing the show. But the process of doing the show is like, I've been like learning so much of figuring out so many things that is I'm applying to all my client work, yeah. right? And I just, mm-hmm. and I knew when I started, it's like, I gotta do it for two years. Now I'm thinking it's like, we gotta do a hundred episodes before I give up, right? Because I knew when I started, I was like, I'm not gonna start this if I'm gonna give up. You gotta, uh, quickly, you gotta right? scale to a million subscribers and then fight Jake Paul. Then you can shut it down. You know what? I don't think a show like this will ever get a million subscribers. I, I think if we got to 100,000, would be amazing. I think once we're over 100,000, we're going to be top tier in this category. Uh, these kind of shows don't get to a million, right? Yeah. I mean, even getting um, to 10,000, you'd be happy to keep doing it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, we haven't put in enough to like really promote the show, right? We're just producing content, optimizing on social media, but like there's a lot more stuff that we could do to like, but I just want to get that post-production nailed down yeah. so we got really good content going out and then uh yeah like this video we're hoping to do a lot more editing with and uh make it kick ass so and you're meant to be like a social media director leader guy and if you ever go back to that you kind of have to do this sort of stuff to keep your craft honed and stay on top of what you're I've supposed to know about. that if if this format works and I could show that, hey, you do a new show in your category, I can have a whole course all about how we produce a show, right? <laughs> 
you Matt, you're doing exactly you, what I always do. Oh, I just did something good. I'm going to teach how to do it. Oh, I just did something right. else good. That, I'm going to teach I've how to do it. I've always thought that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm telling you that the, the format, I'm just like, I keep thinking we could do other formats because I know a typical YouTube video, if we just script it out, we're like, in this video, you're going to learn blah, 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 and then keep cutting and keep doing open loops. And like, I know that's how you make a YouTube video, right? But it's like, everyone's teaching that. Right. So I was like, how do you make a YouTube show or video and, and really scale a lot of content is I think in a format like this, where you're kind of talking about industry topics, one hour, full length video clips, and then a bunch of reels and, and, and stuff like that to promote it. Right. So it's like, it's something that, you know, any business can do without need to become a YouTuber and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is like what the right formula is. So I don't think we're, we're not a hundred percent there yet. I think like, we're really close, um, but uh, we've got to. When are we going to start live like, streaming with an audience? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. We, does that make a big difference these days? Sorry, I know we got to wrap it up. We can, we can, we can shelf yeah. that for another time. But it's it's real interesting. I'm real curious about um, like, what grows a channel. Probably it would be good because we could we could hit built into um, Riverside, go right? live. Yeah, it's built into Riverside. Yeah, so it probably would be helpful. We should probably do that. Uh, I guess we could. I just the only thing is like I, I don't care really, but the camera I use here that you guys are looking at me is not the camera that's on the video, but I could change it up. Well, it's only for the stream, right? Because the recording. Just for the stream, yeah. yeah. And recording still publish it. Be kind of interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting because we could also invite people, and I think they could like chat with us and stuff and ask questions and stuff. So uh, but that's what um, Jason Kilcanis is doing on this week in startups with his co-host Molly. They they kind of like jump in the live stream on YouTube and I guess other places and they kind of talk first without it being the start of the show and just talk to their audience and uh, talk to each other. It's more like a shooting the breeze thing. And then they go, okay, now we're starting a show, which is the bit that gets cut and published for the podcast feed. Um, But the YouTube feed is way more kind of like what we're doing now mixed in with the actual, here's a list of topics we're going to go through and, and they do that. I don't know if like the live aspect is, that important but it is kind of fun for them because they do get live feedback on what they're talking about so it gives them something to bounce off a little bit um, as well I actually think that we would build our audience if we did it live I mean we might as well because we're not doing yeah it's not like we're editing anything out anyway well there's (laughs) there's definitely some editing going on in the background like uh, (laughs) it's not like a two-hour episode every time I see it on the YouTube channel so oh yeah Yeah, well for the cuts but for the core content I mean like I don't know. I just feel like people being live, it wouldn't be a big deal. I, yeah, we, we kind of have nothing to lose. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're we, yeah. We, super we, should, interesting. we actually probably should. Yeah, maybe on the next episode, if you guys want to plan for that, um, for sure. So, well, I think I have to start by subscribing one. to the show in the first place. I'm <laughs> yes, going to do that after this. Yeah. And then yeah. hit that bell. <laughs> yeah. Smash that bell button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.